Hey everyone, this is Mike. I just wanted to say hi before we officially begin today. We've noticed a big uptick in downloads over the last week or so, so I just wanted to say hey, and thank you for checking us out. This is episode 18, which means we have a bunch of fun past episodes for you to discover as well. Go back, find your favorite movies, or maybe one you haven't seen before, and see what we had to say about it. There's a lot of fun things mixed throughout those. That said, we also have some surprises and some very special guests in the works for future episodes, so go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And just a precursor here, we talk about Chanticleer in this episode, which I realize after the fact was the basis for the Don Bluth film Rockadoodle. So uh, there's that. <laughs> so with that, here is The Sword in the Stone. You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hey, and welcome. This week we have... The Sword and the Stone. This is the 18th movie on our list. And as always, please don't forget to check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1. And if you can write us a rating, give us a review. Write us a rating? Write us a review, give us a rating <laughs> on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. It'll be much appreciated. As always on the show today, the wart to my Merlin, David Rolfing. David, welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me back. This was a new one. I have never seen it, so it's always an exciting experience. Yes, I was looking forward to watching this movie as I had never seen it either. So joining us today, a returning guest. You heard him on Fantasia, and now he's back with The Sword and the Stone, Jordan Harms. Welcome back to Disney One by One. Hey, Mike. Good to be back. It's been a little while. Yeah. Anything Anything exciting going on? Not super exciting. But I, I do have something to share. <laughs> okay, go for it. Uh, so I can I can tell by your reaction that I'm, I've built this up too much already. <laughs> but, uh, so I was riding the elevator in a very familiar office building. And this old man steps on on like the second floor. And I was riding up from the ground floor. And it was like 20 degrees outside. So I had on like a scarf and a hat and gloves. And I was like bundled up like... So like to the point where I was like airtight and the guy got on the elevator and this is something I do like normally, but I, I still had my sunglasses on just cause I, I guess I'm lazy and I had my hands full. I had like a, you know, like a coffee in one hand, like lunch in the other hand. And I was just standing there. It's early in the morning and the guy walks in he's probably like 65 and he looks me from like head to toe <laughs> and <laughs> he just very calmly says, you're all bundled up, and you have a hole in your shoe. <laughs> and I looked down on my right foot, and I, I did. I had a, <laughs> a tiny hole in my right foot. And you know how you have like those situations where you like look back, and you're like, oh, if I would have said this, it would have been funny. It would have yeah. been perfect. But I didn't say yeah. that. Well, this was one of those situations, except I did say the thing that I'm glad I said. And I looked down at the little hole and I looked up at him with my expressionless sunglassed eyes. <laughs> and I said, yeah, if I were an astronaut, that's where I would die. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we sat there in silence for, you know, a couple more seconds. He was going all the way up to the top floor with me. And he just like chuckled and was like, well said. And then, like, it was like, ding, and the door opened, and he walked away. <laughs> I felt really pleased with myself. Other than that, my life's been pretty, uh... Okay, that was, that was worth the build-up. That okay. was worth the build-up. Glad I could entertain. 
That's funny. What was your what was your number one movie on your list when we went through our list? You were probably Lion King, right? Uh, that would be the Lion King. Okay, all right. Moving on. <laughs> with that, we will get started with the sword in the stone. And now, our feature presentation. Walt Disney Pictures presents a tale of great wonder, magic, and fantasy. Don't miss Walt Disney's The Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone was released in 1963. It is based on a 1938 book of the same name by T.H. White, British author. Walt Disney got the rights to the book in 1939, and the initial storyboards for the, for the movie were done by 1949. When 101 Dalmatians was finished, there were two projects in development. It was The Sword in the Stone and Chanticleer, which I recognize that name. Chanticleer is like an old stage play about like farm animals. Chanticleer is a, is a rooster. I must have learned about this in class in high school or college or something because it sounded very familiar. It's, a, it's an interesting story. Chanticleer and Sword in the Stone were like these two teams at Disney that were like butting heads trying to like win, win over Walt to see you know, which movie got produced. Um, Chanticleer was pitched to the room of, of folks and someone from the back of the room hollered out how he thought a rooster would be a, or a chicken would be a terrible character in a film. And that guy was Bill Pete. It was the guy developing Sword in the Stones. So there was like this back and forth going on. Uh, Bill Pete was also the guy who wrote 101 Dalmatians, the previous movie. So Walt agreed that no one wants to like go and pet, like pick up and pet a chicken. You know, they just aren't like that lovable of a character. I do. <laughs> Besides Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, have you been to, have you been to Kauai? I sure have. All the, chi- all the chickens running around? Yeah. It's like squirrels over there. Trash chickens, <laughs> as we call them. David, you went to, you went to Hawaii for your honeymoon, didn't you? But you went to Maui. I don't think I saw any chickens there in Maui. There were no trash chickens in Maui. Okay, and there's you were lots not on no. Kauai. There's lots of trash <laughs> chickens in Kauai. So you can't miss them. They've killed all the squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this this Sword in the Stone Chanticleer battle uh, was raging, and ultimately Sword in the Stone won, obviously. And Chanticleer, nothing ever happened with that, which is kind of interesting. I'd be curious to look into that a little bit further. Should do a podcast about it. About about Chanticleer, yeah. Yeah. Sword of Stone proceeded, and uh, they needed to hire someone to do the voice of Merlin, and they auditioned 70 people for the voice of Merlin and didn't find one that they liked. Wow. Uh, the guy who eventually was the voice, Carl Swenson, was originally cast as Archimedes the Owl. Uh, they liked him enough to move him over to Merlin, and I don't know who ended up playing Archimedes. Actually, yeah, I do. Isn't it the same guy? Does no. both of them? No. They no. sound very similar. No, Ju- Junius Matthews played Archimedes, and he... See the voice of Rabbit in Winnie the Pooh? Yes, that it is It sounds correct. like him to me. Yes. For some yes. reason, I thought Rabbit was a female, but I'm thinking of Kanga. What do I get? I'm thinking of Kanga. Yeah, yeah Kanga's a girl. A kid named Ricky Sorensen was cast as Arthur, or the wart, as people call him in this movie. But <laughs> partway through production, I guess, or partway through recording the lines, which maybe takes a while, he went through puberty, so... They had to recast him. <laughs> and one of the directors, Wolfgang Reitherman, who's directed most of these movies, ended up bringing in his sons. <laughs> he has like twin sons to wow. uh, finish off the movie. So there are three different people who do the voice of Arthur in this movie. That explains so much. It's actually kind of obvious if you pay attention to that. Yeah. Ricky, Richard, and Robert. Yes. They're all like in American accents, which doesn't really make any sense for this British movie. But uh, Yeah. The movie was released on Christmas Day, 1963. 
and it grossed $22.1 million in North America. This was the first Disney movie that the Sherman Brothers participated in. Sherman Brothers are quite famous for their songwriting in Disney movies. They did all the, all the songs in Mary Poppins, which is probably their biggest hit. They also did a lot of work for the theme parks. They wrote It's a Small World, and It's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, and endless songs that get stuck in your head. They are very good at that. They also, I mean, they wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They're just like masters of... We love you. <laughs> of, ...of songs that get stuck Ooh, in your head. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Which bang, is casually was created by Ian Fleming, the creator of the James Bond, which is really fun and random. What else did they do? The Sherman Brothers wrote songs for the Aristocats, for Jungle Book, for, like I said, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Winnie the Pooh. Sherman Bros, they're Disney legends. Disney legends. Goodness. Yeah. The movie received an Academy Award nomination for Best Score, which is not the Sherman Brothers. It was George George Bruns, George Bruns, something like that, who's done all these movies. The guy is brilliant. This movie came out in 63, and there wasn't another one until 67, which was The Jungle Book. That is my history of The Sword in the Stone. David, what do you got? Uh, you stole a couple of my good ones, but I have a <laughs> couple of good ones left. There's two scenes from this movie where the animation was reused... Actually, one of them reused from another movie. One of them is reused in a future movie. So from 101 Dalmatians, um, when Sir Ector and Kay, the father-son, are in the kitchen, like, fighting the pans and stuff, they use that animation from Jasper and Horace from 101 Dalmatians. Just completely copied and pasted. Yeah. Basically. And then when Arthur's being licked by, like, the two dogs and he returns home... That exact same animation was used when Mowgli is licked by, I guess, two wolves in the Jungle Book mm. at the beginning of the movie. So that's kind of interesting that they like uh. reuse those animation cells and just cover them with a yeah a skin, I guess. Yeah, those. That's about it, I think. Nice. One thing that I I will apologize to you guys for you, David and Jordan, is that this version of the movie that I shared with you is not in the original aspect ratio. I believe this was a panned and scanned, full-screen, bastardized version, so we missed some of the picture. Oh, no. Oh, no. So there's all this important stuff happening off yeah, to the sides that guess. we didn't even see. What about, same with Dalmatians? No, I, I looked this up, so we didn't mention this last episode, but, and I'll rewind a little bit previous to that. So, Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty were the first Disney movies to be in, like, a super widescreen aspect ratio. Uh, one of them was in CinemaScope, the other was in something else at a different name. For some reason, with 101 Dalmatians, they went back to the square, the like one one point three three by one aspect ratio. But in Sword in the Stone, it's like a sixteen by nine, like they, it's like one point seven something by one. So, David, we watched Dalmatians in the proper aspect ratio. Sword in the Stone is cropped. How could you? <laughs> Not cool. So come anyway, on, Disney One X One. I apologize for that. Uh, I don't know if this movie is on Blu-ray. I think believe this version I had was on DVD. So leave it to old school, old DVDs to have full screen options or make that the only option. Man. So Sword in the Stone, Jordan, had you seen this movie before? What were sort of your preconceived notions before watching it again? Believe it or not, this is one I actually I watched a lot as a kid, along with 101 Dalmatians. It was on all the time. And watching it again was like both nostalgic and eye opening <laughs> because... It's something that I watched all the time as a kid, 
And then there was, you know, like a giant dry spell of since then. Yeah. I, I've not seen it since then. You know, it's not something I like would frequent. I don't know. I noticed a ton of stuff that was not in there before and a lot more stuff makes sense. And it's funny you mentioned like the American accent thing from Arthur. I never thought that was weird as a kid, but watching it as an adult, I was like, this is, <laughs> what? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, it seems like you kind of have the same experience that I had with Dalmatians last week where I watched it a ton as a kid. It would probably been at least 15 years, if not longer, since yeah. I'd seen it. And just memories came flooding back. Mm -hmm. David, I think we've established you had never seen this before. No, I had not. Um, it, it had been one of the Disney movies that I had kind of stayed away from or chosen not to see just because I heard like it's not like the best. So I just never saw it. And we, I guess we didn't have it growing up. My experience with King Arthur growing up was mostly Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> that the is only a movie, true story. That is a movie I've seen <laughs> dozens and dozens and dozens of times. That and what other King Arthur movies are there? There's got to be more than that. King Arthur, the movie? <laughs> like the one with Clive Owen? I think. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> but never, I'd never seen this one. was looking forward to seeing it as a completely new Disney movie and one that's kind of in a really good batch. I mean, it's surrounded by 101 Dalmatians and Jungle Book, which are ones that I've seen many, many times. So I don't really know why Sword in the Stone wasn't in the house. I guess it just wasn't on the VHS, the shelf at the store when our parents went out and bought a bunch of Disney movies on VHS for us. Okay, so Sword in the Stone, Jordan, this was a childhood favorite of yours. How about now that you've rewatched it as an adult? Well, a childhood favorite is a bit of an overstatement. It was what <laughs> was on the TV all the time when I was a kid. It's not like I was like, you know what I mean? It was Yeah. It was an option. Okay. <laughs> but I like it. I liked it back then. I I still like it. I was laughing out loud a couple times. There's some kind of more adult jokes in there thrown in i mostly just laughed at archimedes because i think he's got a really funny voice and the animation <laughs> is so smooth at, at other times it's like so not <laughs> yeah I, overall outlook is good on sword in the stone for me david brand new movie for you what's your initial reaction there were a few things i enjoyed about it for the most part i was not a big fan I mean, it, it's the longest Disney movie we've seen yet, only by a couple minutes, but it dragged on for me. <laughs> and longer than Fantasia, it wow. can't be long. It can't be longer than Fantasia. Okay, maybe I'm <laughs> wrong. <laughs> the classic Disney formatted movies, I would say, it's the longest one yet, and I really felt it because there's some like the lessons that he learns in the movie. I just felt like we're repetitious, the same thing over and over again. I enjoyed some of the humor, but a lot of it I felt was kind of like Looney Tunes-ish hijinks, which I didn't enjoy. And I don't know. I just wasn't that into the character of Arthur, really. <laughs> yeah, he might be the worst part of the movie. I'll, I'll concede to that. <laughs> so again, this is my first time watching this. I didn't like get the point of it. <laughs> or like 90% of it, the fact that he's King Arthur doesn't really even matter. I don't know, just the story just doesn't, like, fit together. <laughs> just not, like, a cohesive reason for anything happening in it. 
you know, I will say I appreciated some of it. Like, I actually really liked the 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 weird witch lady at the end. I thought she was fun. Madam, uh, what madam? What's her name? Mim. Mim. Yeah, the, Mim. And then like the the wizard battle was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Aside from Sauron versus Gandalf, is a pretty darn good wizard battle. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a good. Do that again. <laughs> wow. That was like wait. Do it a third time. <laughs> you asked too much. Ah, those two were so consistent. Did I sound like Gandalf? <laughs> that was a good Ian McKellen impression. Jordan, I'm sure you have a good impression of one of those guys. Uh, well, I need to give me a line to say. I don't know. At the turn of the tide. Okay. We need to establish something right now. <laughs> he never says that like that. Mike, we've been over this with each other. You imagine Ian McKellen saying okay, that this line. This is my, my Mandela. Isn't it the Mandela effect? Isn't that what you call that? Yeah. It's like something that you think you've, you've is a real thing, but it's not. So, David. Yeah? I swear. <laughs> okay, if you watch Two Towers when Gandalf returns, you know, you get like that mixture of him and Christopher Lee. Yeah. As he's like, you know. Uh, I saw hobbits pass through, you know, and then it turns into hobbits passed through here about two weeks ago. Yeah, good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has the line where he says, "I come back to you now at the turn of the tide." Right? Mm-hmm. I swear, I there's a version of like an alternate take of that line in a trailer or like a TV spot or like in a special feature somewhere where he like very enthusiastically says, and I come back to you now at the turn of the tide, <laughs> like, like very energetically like that. But in the movie, how does he, how does he say it, Jordan? I come back to you now at the turn of the tide. <laughs> Super soft like that. When you say it all like at the turn of the tide, you sound like the cheap, like knockoff recording that they added for like the video game like, later on. You know yes. what it might be from? <laughs> The Two Towers PlayStation 2 game, because that game came out like a couple months before the movie. Okay. Which means they probably didn't have all the voice work finalized for the movie. Okay. And it was probably in that, because they had a lot of cutscenes from the movie in that game. Yeah, and but I didn't play that scenes. game. You played, played that, that game. game. I mean, you could have heard it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> or maybe the maybe the Lord of the Rings pinball machine that's in our parents' basement. Oh, yeah. You have one of those? Yeah. It's come, it's cool. It's, next week. it's super complicated. Disney hasn't bought Lord of the Rings yet, so we're not allowed to talk about it. Amazon. Amazon owns it. Yeah. <laughs> I am Gandalf the White. And I come back to you now. At the turn of the tide. What was I saying? I was in the middle you of the review. movie has no point. Yeah. The, <laughs> that's that's my ultimate that's that's my my ultimate point. But the what point is there to like 101 Dalmatians? I mean well, there's actually, but there's like a good co- cohesive story to it. Okay, that's this true. Is like the fact that he is King Arthur does seem like they literally ran out of time and money, and we're like, oh shoot, we got to get him on the throne. Like, <laughs> we have to establish that that's who this is. <laughs> but I mean, there were some fun scenes and some fun characters. So I'm not gonna like completely poo-poo it, but we can we can get into some more specifics of this movie. And Jordan, you're welcome to try to convince me otherwise. <laughs> So the movie begins as in typical uh, Disney form, we get an opening credits followed by a book opening, which is in most of these movies. I noticed kind of funny. There was a guy in the credits named Anthony Rizzo, who is currently a star on the Chicago Cubs. Just side note. Probably him. Yeah. Maybe his dad. Probably not. And yeah, from there, we're, we're 
we dive into this story of, so what's the deal? Like the king has died, there's no heir. And so the sword is in the stone and whoever pulls it out uh, will become the king. So Jordan, are you familiar with King Arthur lore besides this? You know, I really ought to be more because my wife is into like all kinds of folk English stories. Okay. But not really. Because the story <laughs> I'm aware of is like the lady in the lake. Yeah. Does that, is, does the sword go from her into the stone or are these two separate King Arthur legends? Cause, I, I got nothing for you. Yeah. Because the King Arthur legend uh, in Holy Grail is is certainly the, well, the lady that's going to be our basis then <laughs> because because Dennis the peasant yeah waxes poetically you can't expect to hold ex- supreme executive power just because some watery tot threw a sword at you I remember the scene remember it well I don't know is she supposed to be like some sort of goddess or something in the original yeah. story yeah I don't know we probably I probably should have done some research before getting on this show heck no man off the cuff <laughs> off the cuff. <laughs> Well, I am king. Oh, king, eh? Very nice. And how do you get that, eh? By exploiting the workers. By hanging on to outdated imperialist dogma, which perpetuates the economic and social differences in our society. All right, let's do this. Jordan, uh, what was sort of your favorite scene in this movie, sequence in this movie? Well, we already talked about the wizard battle. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like the scene where Merlin sings his little ditty and shrinks everything in his entire workshop into his bag i'm also a very big uh, mary poppins fan see i was gonna say precursor to mary poppins for sure absolutely we're fantastic beasts and where to find them <laughs> now we're cross dipping double, yeah, double dipping yeah i like that scene because it sets the tone really quickly sure which is <laughs> albeit very different from the tone that the storybook scene says <laughs> <laughs> and uh you mentioned the 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 wizard battle as we talked about earlier I, I i noticed and this i'm sure this was intentional and david you were talking earlier about stealing shots and uh characters and things from previous movies she turns and well they they both turn into a bunch of different creatures one she turns into an alligator who looks exactly like the gator from peter pan yeah I think her fat cat kind of looks Cheshire-ish also. Yep. And then he turns into a turtle, which looks exactly like the turtle character in Robin Hood. Yes, it does. She turns into a dragon, which looked a lot like, like Pete's dragon. That totally. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. I thought that last night when I watched it, too. And then one of them turns into an elephant, which I'm sure I'm trying to find it looked like Dumbo or one I of the elephants, like the elephants from a jungle book, or this elephant could have been reused for the heffalumps and whizzles. I don't know. There's just a lot of, a lot of characters. And there's a walrus. The walrus looks just like the walrus from Alice in Wonderland. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The chicken also looks like Lady Cluck from Robin Hood. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the three lessons that take up like half the movie. Okay. Um, so the first one, he turns him into a fish. The lesson he learns is that there's like predators and prey in the world, right? Okay. I mean, that's not what I got, but yeah, I guess. What'd you get? What'd you learn? Brain over brawn, bro. You are. Yeah, that, that, I think that was the main lesson. Uh, lesson number two, he turns into a squirrel and... His lesson is about how strong the power of love is because he's getting assaulted by 
There's another squirrel. That was that scene was that scene was interesting. That would they would not be able to get away with that today. I even thought that was weird as a kid when I watched that. And I still to this day think it's so unfair to that poor girl squirrel at the end. She's just Merlin's just like, Yeah, well, you broke her heart forever and we have learned that there's these little worlds happening aside from our human world that yeah. are just as important except screw that squirrel. Forget her. So so Merlin and Arthur turn into squirrels and they're climbing around the trees and they're like Merlin is basically being assaulted by this female squirrel. And he keeps so telling is Arthur. Well, Merlin's is worse. He keeps telling her no, and she keeps returning and like pulling his tail and Madam. kissing him. Kissing Madam. him. It's real bad. Yeah, so that's lesson number two. Lesson number three. Well, well, hang on. What did we decide that lesson was? The well, power hey, of love. Let's go. Can we go back just a tiny bit? What yeah. did it start out as? Because he was, I don't think Merlin was anticipating the squirrel hitting on Arthur. Was he teaching him like to look before he leaps or something? They were like jumping around in the branches and Arthur was going crazy and like breaking branches. And then this squirrel showed up and then he's like, oh, well, she likes you. Well, blah, blah, blah. the description I'm seeing online says he transforms Arthur into a squirrel to learn about gravity. <laughs> oh, they do talk about gravity. And then for the fish, it says transforms him into a fish to learn about to learn about physics. Well, <laughs> he also talks about that when he teaches him how to use his fins. Yeah. And Arthur's like flipping his right flipper and making him rotate to the left. And then he does a left when he rotates to the right. Yeah. Wow. That's, I so don't know if that's bird deep lesson? or just super subtle. According to this the description, bird the bird lesson. Well, what do we think it? What do you think it is, David? I honestly can't remember what that <laughs> lesson is. <laughs> what does it say, Mike? <laughs> uh, the Merlin transforms Arthur into a sparrow and Archimedes teaches him how to fly. Well, that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Physics, <laughs> gravity, and flying. I mean, that last lesson was kind of hijacked from Merlin. Remember? He was going to yes. throw the plane out the window and he's like, man, we'll fly someday. And Archimedes is like, yeah, right. And then he has like a laughing fit. And then and then he flies into Madame Mim and it just gets derailed, completely derailed. Yeah, the movie decides it's something else at that point. Yes, completely something <laughs> else. This character we've never, we have not yes. heard mentioned now becomes like Merlin's arch nemesis. I think Madame Mim is in the original story. I'm not sure. And then Arthur just, he forgot his brother's sword, so he just stumbles upon the sword in the square. And for some reason that we don't know why... The light shines down on him from heaven, and he pulls the sword out. <laughs> the movie's called The Sword and the Stone. I thought that this would be like a main point of the story, like why he's worthy to get the sword out, yeah. but it really doesn't show you why. No. He's just predestined, I guess. Watch it, boy. Better leave it alone. Okay, he's got to have a sword. Now, come on, quick. Let's get out of here. I'm reading here. I, I just stumbled upon this trivia concerning Madame Mim. Okay. I'm reading here that says, in, an, in the alternate opening, screenwriters intended to have Madame Mim usurp the throne of England by trying to kill Arthur, oh. even before pulling the sword, and using a raven to keep surveillance. This was changed for an unknown reason. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Shorten those lessons and add some more meet building. to the actual king story and more mim like antagonist it could have been way better well yeah and like i said you know this 90 percent of this movie is not a doesn't need to be a king arthur movie all those lessons and things are not remotely like 
medieval knights, anything related. Why do you think that was? Do you think they were like, we need to brand this to something that, that people might recognize? Like, heaven forbid we just have an original story about a wizard and a kid? Or was it like predetermined? They were like, yes, it's going to be a King Arthur story, but let's dumb it down and make it about, like David was saying, kind of like Looney Tunes kind of humor. Because to me, it feels like the latter. It feels like it could have, like it might have had more at one point, like this Madame Min trivia. Did it go through too many focus groups? Is this a Disney focus groups issue? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it's based <laughs> on a book, as I said a while ago, oh, yeah. you know, by T.H. White called The Sword and the Stone. Well, here I can, here's the plot of the book. The premise is that Arthur's youth was a time when he was tutored, tutored by Merlin to prepare him for the use of power in royal life. Merlin magically turns Wart into various animals at times. He also has more human adventures, at one point meeting Robin Hood. Uh, the setting is loosely based on medieval England, and in places it incorporates uh, the author's considerable knowledge of medieval culture, as in relation to hunting, falconry, and jousting. However, it makes no attempt at consistent historical accuracy and incorporates some obvious anachronisms, aided by the concept that Merlin lives backwards in time rather than forwards. So, that actually sounds kind of yeah. like the movie. And then... Referring to like Merlin living backwards in time, that remind me of a uh, what was that movie? The kid in King Arthur's court. What did you ever see that? What? So no, there was no. okay. So there was the movie. There was the movie Rookie of the Year about the kid who breaks his arm and becomes a, a major league pitcher because his arm gets tweaked. Funny. You remember that movie? Yeah. 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 I don't, but I, I'm listening. Okay, and then there was like a sequel to it. <laughs> I don't know why they how they tie together, but there's a sequel to it. It's the same character. Of the kid who pitches for the Cubs. Daniel Craig's in it. In what? As Master Kane. Seriously? Oh, man. Yeah. Now I got to watch this movie again. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> when did this come out? 1995. With Daniel Craig and Kate Winslet. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, who else is in this movie? 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, that's a watch. No matter what we think, no matter how we feel, our lives are not our own. Well, then we'll make them our own. It is too late. I must marry Lord Belasco. That's about all I got. Anyone got anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out really like why I like this movie so much because it can't just only be nostalgia. Is it, it just nostalgia, be, guys? I mean, is it is is that what's fueling my love for this movie? You know, when I critically think about it, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> Until Mim, the only like antagonists are the animals that chase them. So you have the wolf that chases them through the woods. The wily coyote. You have like the big bar- barracuda fish that chases chases them. Which you have is terrifying. the squirrels, and then you have the is that a hawk that chases them when they're yeah, I guess. flying around. So like I don't know if they could just incorporated Mim better into the whole story. I think it could have been. Better. She's trying to like sabotage the lessons throughout the whole time, or she could have been those animals chasing them. I don't know. It could have been better. That's a good idea. Or like they could have just gone with the alternate opening where she usurps the throne of England. Yeah, that is an astute observation. It is quite lacking in a, in any real conflict until Mim, because Merlin's kind of just like unstoppable. Yeah. Until then, he can do anything. Well, and to your point, like if she if she had taken over the throne at the beginning, there'd be more of a reason to like need to find the king. We need to write a letter, you know. And they've <laughs> they've established this world where only the person who pulls the sword can be king. So whatever, we can roll with that. 
Yeah. But it seems like in the world they've established, the everything is going fine with whoever's currently on the throne. Who isn't? I guess there's no king. Nobody. Yeah. He died. But there's right? like the one, there's those, yeah, there's the one guy who's kind of doing it. I don't know. His stepdad or whatever it is. We definitely need to, we need to write a letter. I know we're about 50 years too late. Yeah. But we need to ask them for a director's cut, the creators <laughs> of this film, and also get some answers. Well, there is apparently a live action version in the works. No surprise to, uh, what? Hmm. They're developing a live-action version of it for the new streaming service they announced. Disney Plus is their new streaming service. They have a director, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. He directed 28 Weeks Later, which is the sequel to 28 Days Later, the zombie movie. <laughs> for real? And he made a live-action short film that was nominated for an Oscar, so interesting. They began production September 2018 in Ireland. And uh, okay. so, it's, so it's in the works. We'll see what they do with it. Maybe Mim will uh, become a bigger part of this story. So in your sequel podcast, Disney 1X2, yeah, Disney 2X1, <laughs> you'll do all the live action reboots, right? <laughs> well, I'll, the, be, I'll be back on for the King Arthur one. <laughs> Disney one by one, as soon as we're done with, with this list, we can do whatever we want. That's true. You know, we can we gotta Pixar. Do, we, Pixar. We got, <laughs> somebody we say can, Pixar? We can we can create our own radio drama podcast version of Chanticleer. Oh yeah, that has to happen. The Rooster, That's the Rooster right. Show. So. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of things to wrap this up. Uh, first, a trivia question, David. I ask this to you every time. Maybe you'll know this one. Yeah. Where is the one? instance of sword in the stone in the disney parks why is it always only one instance <laughs> so obscure i can only think of one i know it all right go for it i don't know it. the sword in the stone yeah at disneyland in front of the carousel they actually have the sword in the stone they have that at disney world oh it also. is a world as well okay yeah magic kingdom okay nice i and... pulled it out of the rock i didn't well, and you can kidding. go up and pull it. Does it budge? No, it does not. But they do have controls so that it can occasionally. Like it's got like an electromagnet or something. They're always watching. And I've you can find videos of like someone dressed as Merlin doing a little ceremony where they call a kid out of the crowd and then they activate the sword so he can pull it out. Fancy. It goes out about halfway and then they give him a toy sword as their prize. <laughs> But but I could not find a like a really recent video of that, and I've never seen it in person. So I don't know if they still do that ceremony or if they just let people tug on it and and make Instagram pictures out of it. My final thought: looking at the list of the Disney movies this is surrounded by, I noticed how many of these take place in in England. I thought that was kind of interesting. We have 101 Dalmatians, which we just watched, is in England. Sword in the Stone, I assume this is at least somewhere on the island. Robin Hood is three mo three movies from now. And I believe, did Alice in Wonderland start in England in the park? Is she in? Yeah. yeah. They're she's, British. Yeah. She's yeah. British. Yeah. So just an observation. And Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Yeah. Did I not say that? I didn't say that. Yeah, you Peter Pan. Say, so, yeah, they're in London. Very interesting. The sort of yeah, American what's going on here? studios obsession <laughs> with, with, with the, the United Kingdom or whatever, it was, whatever it was called back then. Great Mouse Detective? Possibly, isn't that Sherlock Holmes? -y? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Wow, what is this? With that, uh, Jordan, we need to wrap this up, and we need a rating system for Sword in the Stone. What do you got? <laughs> I have a couple options. Okay, one of them could be 
horny squirrels. <laughs> David <laughs> likes that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Or we could just do an um enchanted dishes too. But horny squirrels is more interesting. What's the quantity? Yeah, we need a quantity. I have to pick the quantity? Yeah. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, out of seven horny squirrels, is that what we're doing? Unless you got something better. Fine with me. No, let's do it. All right, Jordan, what do you give it? <laughs> you know what? Even if it is just nostalgia, I'm going to give this five and a half horny squirrels out of seven, which I think is fair. It's fair, okay? Back off. That's my decision. Okay. <laughs> David. I give it 4.5 horny squirrels out of seven. Okay. Jordan, what did you say? I said five. Okay. Five, so. so it's not as bad as like... The Don't non- say three caballeros. <laughs> just, it's, it's not as bad as Fantasia. It's not That's as last bad one as, I was on. you know, those movies. But for the reasons we named, the lack of a compelling story, compelling characters, it's just not that great. I like Merlin and some of his humor and his owl. But we thought of better ways or better story points for this movie in an hour of talking. So I feel like <laughs> the writers true. could have done a much better job, yeah. which is the first time we've really done that on this show. So that's saying something. All the pieces are there. I think that gave us the ability to try and think of some better, some better outlines. It's kind of like the, the newest star Wars movies. Michael, <laughs> the sword in the stone is the most disappointing thing since my son, <laughs> That was a bad. That was a bad impression. The sword and the stone. Oh, so he's a king. Well, why didn't he do that sooner? (laughs) Shut up down there. (laughs) That's a good impression. Um, I give it a. I'm giving this a two out of seven. I just didn't really like it. Ouch! And there's plenty. There's plenty more, including the package films that I enjoyed more than Sword and the Stone. So. Included, including the what films? The package films. All these, all those ones with like random short films shoved together. Oh, yeah. Make my music fun and fancy free. Melody time. Saludos amigos. Saludos amigos, etc. So. How many? Two? You're giving it two horny squirrels. Yeah. Out of seven. <laughs> Jeez. Man. Well, you didn't say at the beginning you hated the film, but now I know how you Just feel. Just keep in mind, Mike gave three cabs at 100% score. Yep. There's no, I have no issue with that. That is, now that is nostalgia talking. Now this is pod racing. <laughs> now this is the end of this show. So thank you so much for listening to our Sword in the Stone episode. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this movie. It was one of our, one of my more negatively reviewed ones. If you watch this and have more positive reviews, tell us about it. Uh, you can do that via iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Give us a review or rating. And, of course, find us everywhere on social media. That was Sword in the Stone. My name is Mike. David, thank you so much again for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me back. And, Jordan, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll definitely see you on Fantasia 2000, maybe somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, man, I'll, I'll be there. Thanks for having me back. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. 
Um, and then one of them turns into an elephant, which I'm sure I'm trying to find it looked like Dumbo. Or one I of the it elephants. Looked like the elephants from a uh, Jungle Book. Or or it's like one of the elephants from uh, uh, which one? The elephant? The elephants on parade? Pink elephants on parade? Which one was that? Oh, um, it's not Pinocchio, is it? Pinocchio. Is that Pinocchio? Is it Pinocchio? It's got to be. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Pink, Pink elephants is from Dumbo. Oh, Dumbo. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> ah, th- with the elephants. Yeah, right. 